Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. In your Bibles to Revelation chapter 11. Uh, Boy, how long is Revelation supposed to last? Seven years? Well, I hope it takes us less than seven years to study it all. But uh, uh, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. We're halfway there tonight. Did you ever believe we'd get halfway? Uh, it's either woohoo, we made it halfway, or oh my, <laughs> we got another. <laughs> We've got 11 more chapters to go. Uh, but tonight is, uh, to me, where it's, it, I mean, it's starting to get a little exciting. It's, it's uh, of course, all of this is exciting to me. Um, I hate if I get too detailed, but I think it's important to understand and know the details so you can understand and know the whole thing. Now, we've been talking about Revelation for a long time, and, and let me just stop here for a moment and and share with you again that the main reason that so many pastors and people tend to stay away from Revelation is it's difficult for so many people to understand. It's scary to them because they don't study it and they don't understand what's there. So they don't know what's there, only that it's about the last last days and it's about the end. And everybody gets scared when they talk about the end. Um, the end of the world. I mean, that in our society, the end of the world is, oh no, it's all going to come to an end and, and they expect the world to just be burned up at a big ball of fire. Um, we think of the end and we think, woohoo, the end. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> no more struggle. It's finally going to come to an end and we're going to be able to be in the presence of Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and we're going to be able to be there with Him in heaven and we're going to just enjoy all of this well you know we're not you know extremists in that we want to hurry the end of the world on because so many of us have things that we're doing in our lives that that we want to accomplish families and uh, grandchildren and all that kind of stuff um, but we also have a mission and a task to go and share the gospel with so many because the end is coming <laughs> the end is coming and 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 it's yay for us and oh my for them but there's still so many of them out there that it's oh my the end is coming that that we need to share with them that it's a, a time to celebrate and so we've been looking at the deeper meaning behind everything that's going on in the scriptures in the book of revelation and again over and over and over again god tells us how much he loves us how much he cares for us how big his grace and mercy is and all of these things and i hope you've hear uh, you've heard me and you hear 
That's when you try and say hear and heard at the same time. Heard. When you hear and heard me say over and over and over again that this is God showing His grace. This is God showing His love. This is God desiring for mankind to convert and turn. And we see evidence of it tonight. And that's why I've, I've kind of recapped a little bit. Plus, it's been several weeks since we've been in this. Uh, and, you know, so we we got to be... Re- you got to remember where we are. Okay, we've just been through uh, these trumpet uh, uh, and bowl uh, judgments and we are kind of in between the 6th and the 7th uh, here and we just had this pause and we have again in Revelation chapter 1 uh, a a little it's called a in when you study scripture there's a thing called a periscope now Everybody knows what a periscope is, right? On a submarine, you got a big ship that's under the water, a submarine, uh, and you want to see where you're going, whether it's underwater or above the water. And you've got this thing that'll go up, and it's a periscope. It helps you to see. Well, in Scripture, there are per- uh Theologians and scholars uh, see different things that occur in Scripture, and there are periscopes. And it's not the same. It's not a mechanical arm that goes up with a you know mirrors and everything, so you can see. But instead, it is uh, a like a vignette, a small section of Scripture that gives you deeper meaning into what's going on. And sometimes it's out of context of everything else that's been going on simply because it's something that the Holy Spirit desired for it to be placed in that spot. It is an interlude. It is a... uh, It's like intermission. Uh, Movies used to be three plus hours long and in the middle of it there'd be an intermission and it was so you could get up and go buy popcorn and sodas and all that kind of stuff but it was and stretch your legs and uh but it it would be this intermission uh before you get back to the action we're at an intermission time here in the scripture a periscope where uh we've seen the the angel with the little book last time we were in the scriptures here uh in revelation 10 uh, we talked about all of the the things that are happening at that point where we've broken from the the judgments for a moment and we've not back to it yet, but we have a second part of the intermission is chapter 11. And it says, And there was given me a reed like a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power 
power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth them, their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut uh, uh, to shut heaven, and it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying to them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and a tenth part of the city fell. And the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. So, again, this is uh, an interlude in the midst of all of this, and uh, we see a different type of uh, situation. The angel that told uh, John to eat the small scroll and, and he was to give a message and everything, he's the same angel that uh, most likely that is there to tell John to go and measure the temple. Take a rod and to measure. Now, that, this is how they measured things with a rod back then. They didn't have tape measure and they didn't have uh, ways of measuring other than they'd have like a meter stick and they would go and they would uh, lay out the meter stick and they would measure something. Um, And he's measuring the temple. But the question is, which temple? Um, Because remember the the temple after Jesus, uh, the time of Jesus, that temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., which is uh, maybe very soon to the time in which, or surrounding the time that John is writing this, so that temple may not even exist. Is he talking about the temple in heaven? Uh, which temple is it? Uh, maybe it's a future temple uh, on earth, a temple that is not there now, but will be there in the last days. Uh, whatever it is, uh, it's, doesn't it sound odd for him to go and measure the temple? Why is he supposed to go measure the temple? Well, it's not so you can see how big the temple is because they know the exact measurements of the temple because it's laid out 
exactly in the same manner, the same size as the tabernacle was when they were going through the, the wilderness. So uh, the temple that is there in Jerusalem, or was there in Jerusalem, was basically a stone replica of the, the tabernacle that went through the wilderness, laid out in the same manner, just with stone and uh, rock and not tents. So they know the measurements of the temple. They have them marked down. Uh, They know what the measurements are. So why would he say go measure the temple? Well, um, it is seen as a command to measure the temple. It means that it it stands for preservation. Uh, The temple is going to stand it's going to exist it'll stay um, the reason John is to go and to to measure the temple is it's a, a message to those who are there in the last days the eschaton uh, that the temple will remain it's not going to now remember we read just a minute ago at the end of this that there was a great earthquake uh, an earthquake that demolished a tenth of the city and thousands of people were killed. So this is a message to uh, to John and everyone else that the temple will remain. Regardless of what happens, the temple will remain. And the temple is a symbol of man uh, man's relationship to God and God's relationship to man. It is a symbol of of God keeping his relationship with mankind. Remember when God told Moses and the children of Israel as they were going through the wilderness that they needed to build a tabernacle, it was so that he could dwell in the midst of them, that he could tent in the midst of them. And literally in Exodus, it outlines that the children of Israel were to, when they camped, they would put the tabernacle down where God told them to put it, and then they would camp all around the tabernacle. Every tribe would be tented all the way around them, uh, around the tabernacle, and all these tribes would be laid out in a circle around the, the tent of meeting, and that was the place in which God was there with them, and, and that was the presence of God in their midst. And when they uh, had, when they stopped and they uh, put the t- tabernacle up, God's presence went and sat in the Holy of Holies on the the atonement seat on the Ark of the Covenant. That was the presence of God was there with them and in their presence, in their midst, and God was there with them. And remember, when we get over to the New Testament, uh, we understand and know that that, uh, Jesus is described as uh, as being tent, uh, God tenting amongst the people of Israel again, uh, but in human flesh. And so God was with them in the wilderness. God's with them uh, and with us in the form of Jesus. And now we see and understand that the tabernacle will be there. Now remember, this is symbolic because of the fact that uh, the tabernacle is dest- i mean the te- uh, the temple is destroyed the temple that was there at the time of Jesus was not the original uh, king solomon temple uh, 
uh, it's a temple that, that was reconstructed and uh, the temple uh, was destroyed uh, by the Romans in AD, or not the Romans, but uh, let's see, the. Um, oh. I forget the name of the. Anyway, it was destroyed in 70 AD. So uh, it, it was destroyed once again. So this is not the literal temple that was there at the, at the time is most likely uh, a future temple. It's, it's telling us that, that God will always be there with us, that God's relationship will always be with us. And then it says here in chapter 11 that... Uh, Verse 3 says, I will give power to my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. One thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. Now, there's a lot of... There's no specific indication as to who the two witnesses are, but there's a lot of hints that are seen here. Uh, The two witnesses are believed to be either uh, two of the three, uh, Elijah, Enoch, and Moses. All three of those individuals did not die, but were taken up by God. Elijah, Enoch, Enoch walked with God and was no more. Elijah was taken up by uh, in the whirlwind and uh, the fiery chariot. And Moses went up to the top of the mountain and God uh, uh, took care of Moses at the end. It doesn't say, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically that Moses died or not. But what we see are different things that, are, that happen here in Scripture. They're given power and they're able to do certain things. It says, if any man tries to hurt them, they're able to, well, they're able to call down fire from heaven. Uh, a reference to Elijah. Uh, they're, they're able to call upon plagues upon the earth. Uh, and that's reminiscent of Moses. And so uh, there are many different things uh, that would have us to believe it's one of these three. Uh, the two witnesses uh, are uh, also called the two olive trees and the two lampstands. And that's from uh, Zechariah 4, 1 through 14. Um, and you want to turn over there that's at the end of the Old Testament so go to uh, Matthew then go into the Old Testament you'll uh, pass through Malachi and then Zacharias next Haggai, Zechariah, and then Malachi. Zechariah 4, the angel talked with me, uh, came again, and walked me, awaked uh, me, and as a man that is waking out of sleep, verse, that's verse 1, verse 2, and he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of all gold 
with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes of the seven lamps that were upon thereof. And so we see a vision of Zechariah. We're not going to read through that because there's too much to go through in Revelation, but you can on your own time. One through Zechariah 4, 1 through 14. And he, he's, he has a vision of the lampstands, which is the basically uh, uh, another... A uh, way of of talking about the menorahs, the lampstands, like in the tabernacle, uh, that were outside the holy of holies, um, and the olive trees. These olive trees represent Zerubbabel, the claimant to David's throne, and Joshua, the high priest, on whom they placed the hopes of restoration of Judah. And so. Um, that's what it, it references when it says, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing. They are uh, those who are representative of God. Now, if it's Elijah and Moses, uh, that's some people say, well, it's got to be Elijah and Moses because uh, they're, they were expected to return in the last days according to uh, Israelite tradition. Or it could be Enoch and Elijah. Uh, but anyway, the two witnesses represent the Christian church and its pos- uh, positive witness in the last days. Uh, the desire of God to share the gospel uh, and share the prophetic message of God is there even in the midst of... Uh, the tribulation, we're probably about halfway through the tribulation here at this point, and God is bringing about these uh, these two witnesses that are standing. And listen to the way in which the city is described. It's described as Sodom and Egypt. Well, that's not the city where the temple was, right? I mean, the temple was in Jerusalem. How can, how can Jerusalem, the city of God, be called Sodom and Egypt? These are two slurs upon the city of Jerusalem because of the condition of the people during that time and the way in which they've turned away from God. This is... Uh, Sodom was was uh, judged by God and fire and brimstone fell from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Egypt was judged by God and the plagues fell upon Egypt because uh, the Pharaoh would not allow the children of Israel to, to go and worship Him and, and to have their freedom. And so uh, this is a slur against Jerusalem because those two cities were judged of God. And in essence, it's saying here that Jerusalem will be judged even though the temple is there, even though God's presence is going to be remain uh, the city itself. The people have become uh, so uh, against God that that He sends two witnesses, two prophets that are going to stand. And for 1,260 days, how many, how long is that? Three years. Three years. They're going to stand and declare 
the message of God. They're going to stand and, and profess the message of God and preach the message of God. Um, and that, that's a long time for them to stand and to preach. The two witnesses are going to be able to defend themselves. Um, again, there's a lot to be seen here. There's two witnesses for a reason. Why, is, why didn't God just send one person to go and, and to uh, prophesy? Well, anytime there's been uh, prophets in the past, they've rejected them, they've killed them, they've uh, dismissed them many times. But remember now, how many witnesses do you, did you have to have in the time of Jesus in a court? Two. And so anytime you had two witnesses, you had a reliable message. The truth was, uh, was verified by uh, two witnesses. And here you have two witnesses that are declaring the message of God. They are prophesying. Now we don't know exactly what their, uh, what their message is. It's not given here, but you, you know because God sent them that they're probably, uh, they're probably a couple of street preachers out there preaching the message of God. They're declaring God's message. They're prophesying about what's going to happen, what's coming, and about the coming judgment of God. And the people hate them. The people that are there that are witnessing them, they, uh, they despise them. But God is protecting them. It says in verse 5, if any man will hurt them. Now why would anybody hurt them? Because they're declaring a message they don't want to hear. Anytime you have a messenger giving a message that people don't want to hear, they oftentimes turn violent. They, turn, uh, they, they sneer at them. They throw things at them because they don't want to hear it. Why? Because it's the truth. It's cutting too deep. It's cutting too close uh, to home. And so uh, they're, uh, they're protected by the hand of God. But at the end of that... The two witnesses are killed uh, by uh, the the beast that comes up when they have finished their testimony. Verse seven: The beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them, and their bodies will uh, lie in the street for three and a half days, and the people will rejoice. The people are going to. Uh, they're going to celebrate the suffering and martyrdom in Jerusalem of prophets was all but inevitable and so the prophets after testifying for 1,260 days they are suddenly killed and the people are rejoicing. They lay in the street for three and a half days, which points to the time that Jesus was in the tomb. And it, uh, at the end of three and a half days, a voice from heaven calls them. The Spirit of God comes back upon them and they are risen from the dead. This... Uh, replicates John's experience of in chapter 4 verse 1 of Revelation of being called into the presence of God. It also uh, replicates and uh, points back to uh, the ascension of Elijah in 2 Kings 2, 11 and 12. 
and the ascension of Jesus uh, into heaven at the end of His earthly ministry in Luke 24 and Acts 1. And so we see uh, all of these indications of uh, the hand of God upon these two witnesses and His message. And they ascend in a cloud before onlookers. And it represents a divine rescue of God. That God is... You can't deny the message that they had one, because they defended themselves during all that time. And two, they were rose, risen from the dead and God took them back into heaven on a cloud. They're special people if that happens to them. If God does that to them, that you know, it's like God's stamp of approval upon them. And then we see at the end of this, this section the destruction of uh, one-tenth of the city and the death of 7,000 inhabitants by a great earthquake. And that is the beginning of God's judgment again upon uh, the people. But it's in particular, it's judgment upon the city for the way that the, it's seen as a judgment upon the city for the way it's treated His witnesses. And God is... Uh, bringing punishment upon the city. But you also see something else at the end of, of this periscope. You see that the remnant, the remnant, you see all throughout the Bible that there is a remnant of God, a, a small group of people that still are clinging to the things of God and are still clinging to God, uh, a relationship to God a remnant begins to rejoice and give God the glory. You see that happen and it is an indication of conversion. It is a sign of the blessing of God of allowing people to turn their hearts toward Him. And so throughout this whole thing, we see the declaration of God's message throughout uh, three years of, of tribulation. You see the, the mockery and the hatred of mankind because they're turning further and further away from God and a desire to, to, to silence the message of God. God's protection on the witnesses, the, the destruction and judgment upon those uh, who have been ridiculing these two witnesses and the punishment on the city for the way that uh, the witnesses have been treated. But you see also, with all of this, you see those who turn their life to God, turn their heart towards God, because they're the ones who've been listening to the witnesses and following after God. They've turned their, converted their lives. They've turned their hearts toward God. And we see in the midst of all the destruction that God's love still continues on. That God's love continues in the lives of these people. So uh, that's the first 14 verses of chapter 11. We'll continue on in the next time. Uh, the rest of the chapter 11, it picks up a little bit here. And so we're going to see all that. Uh, but we see in all of this, God's love continued to be shared and God's message continued to be preached and received by mankind. And that's a wonderful message in the midst of uh, this 
study of the tribulation, the study of the judgment of God. 